Now, is he brothers of the greatest WCW champion of all time? Are you thinking of David Arquette, not yes, Arnett? I am. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I hate that the one wrestling reference for this episode is that. Welcome everyone to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring any knowledge we may have about the future run of that show, decide if that's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. Today we're going to be talking about Arrested Development. Arrested Development went 84 episodes over 5 seasons, originally on Fox and then moving to Netflix. Today we're going to be talking about the first episode, which was called Pilot, which originally aired November 2nd, 2003. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the guys, Gordo, Joe, Ferg, and Nick. What's going on, guys? Heyo. Heyo. I don't care for Job. <laughs> hey, look, we're back at full strength for the first time in weeks. No, last week. No, last, last week. week. <laughs> last week. Yeah, you slept through it. Yeah, you were uh, legitimately like half asleep for the first half of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> at one point in last week's episode, somebody asked Ferg a question, and he goes, Nah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is wrong with him when I was editing it? I was tired. Does anybody else just feel like they want to scream out 8,000 quotes from other episodes of Arrested Development? Is it just yeah, me? Yeah, it's tough to separate this one. This one's yeah. real hard. There's always money in the banana stand. Yes, everything. Yep. Well, all right. So, yeah, just to, to get right into it, Arrested Development, I believe this is a show that all five of us have seen prior to recording this episode, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. But I will say, oh, from for myself, I've watched, I'd never actually finished all the, the later Netflix stuff. I watched like half a season four and I never finished it. But um, the original few seasons I'd watched multiple times, but haven't in years. So it's not like I've been rewatching it recently. This is one of those shows we've talked about before that was like a DVD show. Like everybody yeah, had yeah. the first three seasons of this on DVD. And that theory is always proven positive by the fact that if you walk into any goodwill in the country you will see multiple copies of the DVD box sets of this show, like just like Chappelle's show. Like there's, they made so many of them and everybody had them. I just, I hadn't seen the first episode in a very long time. Um, it's crazy how like young they all are. Yeah. Jason Bateman's yeah. aging well though. Cause I mean, even if you, I'm watching Ozark right now, I mean, it's like a haircut difference between them and 20 years ago on almost. I, I think he probably stole Michael Sarah's youth. Have you seen <laughs> that movie? No, I'll, I'll say this when you, <laughs> If older, if uh, <laughs> if you go like on a Netflix, like I went to like check the first episode when I was talking to you guys earlier, the last thing I had watched was from the newer seasons. So like going directly from watching something from like season four to cutting to season one, it be, it, because of the giant jump that they had. Oh yeah, you could see an yeah, age difference that, yeah. after the hiatus, but they they pretend it's like the next day. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's not as drastic as the um, Wet Hot American Summers, but it's pretty drastic. (laughs) I will say, Jay, too, not to jump too far ahead, but you had mentioned that you had never finished that fourth season on Netflix. Right. When they first put it out, they didn't have, I think it was something about they couldn't cut back to older clips. So everything was kind of weird. And then they fixed it. So if you look now, it's like season four remix. That's when we rewatched it again. And it all made way more sense. Okay. I saw that that was like a thing. And I never even looked to see what that meant. Yeah, if you ever want to go back and see it, that's the way to do it. When that season came out, me, Nick, and our buddy Chet, we uh, bought a ton of ribs, and we just made them all day. 
And uh, we we binged the entire series. Yeah, at my house when I was at work. <laughs> no, it was no, at Chet's. you didn't live there. This is when they were living on. Oh, that was after we lived together. Don't say the street name. No doxing. Okay, okay. Because I remember we used to um we all binged the original seasons at uh, when him and I lived together. And silence. Okay. Uh, I so, thought somebody was. Yeah. Like, I thought you were going to say something, but you were yawning. Yeah, you were so mid-sentence. Sorry, so yeah, like I'm, we just I'm all went quiet. Been yawning this whole time. <laughs> Not a single yawn. All right, so let's get uh, right into this episode. So it starts off with just like a caption over the screen that says that we're in Orange County, California, just kind of setting the you know the environment. And we get a narrator who the the narrator for the entirety of the show is Ron Howard, who's a legendary director and actor. At this point, he's a legendary narrator too. Yeah, yeah. He's um. <laughs> Even though, like, I think nowadays he's probably going to be, like, remembered best as a director, he's, like, forever Opie to me. Like, that's never going to go away. And that's, that, that's where you go, not not Happy Days? Yeah, I would go Happy Days. Yeah, I would go Happy Days before Andy Griffith. I mean, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> he's Richie But Cunningham. as kids who all grew up watching wrestling, every time you'd watch wrestling on TBS, if there was any sort of, like, rain delay from a Braves game or something, it was always just like, yep, there are the Bra- uh, there's uh, Andy Griffith's show. <laughs> And, um, I mean, both of those shows, uh, probably more so Happy Days. I mean, there's a chance we'll do Andy Griffith at some point. You know, if this show goes on long enough, we're going to have to hit everything. But yeah, shows like that will, well, if we don't do that, how are we going to do Gomer Pyle Marine Corps or like right. all those shows? But yeah, I think, um, no Happy, Days, Happy Days is going to be up there. That's going to be something that we'll, we'd probably do sooner than later. We want to do Happy Days just so we can do Johnny Loves Chachi, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, spinoff rule. Right. Yeah. In case any of our anybody forgets, we have a spinoff rule. Yeah, we do. Um, and Charles in charge. We have internally set a. I don't think um, Charles in charge is officially yeah, it's not a spinoff. <laughs> we have a we have a spinoff stipulation that we like to do on the show. We don't like to do a show unless we've done its original show that it stemmed off of first. So, for example, Family Matters, uh, we are eligible to do now because it was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers, which we did in our like fourth episode. And now we could do King of Queens. I was going to say, that's also why we did Everybody Loves Raymond. Right. That opened us up to King of Queens, which got some internet conflict because, yeah, because I guess it's not technically a spinoff. They just live in the same world, I guess, because I don't think Doug appeared in Everybody Loves Raymond until the show came out. Well, it doesn't matter because I can't even share it on the on the Reddit because I'm banned from there. <laughs> the Everybody Loves Raymond Reddit? <laughs> not the Everybody Loves Raymond, the King of Queens one. Oh, Because oh, oh. I shared the crew on there because I couldn't find anything. <laughs> Well, uh, anyways, getting into it. So, uh, Ron Howard, again, the narrator, you know, he introduces us to Michael Bluth. He says, this is Michael Bluth for 10 years. He's worked for his father's company waiting to be made partner. And right now he's happy. And then we get a little caption. It says, Michael Bluth, manager at the Bluth company. And Michael Bluth is played by Jason Bateman. So I think, um, so for the first few minutes of this episode, we're kind of running through every character one at a time. So I think every time we get introduced to someone, we should talk about the actor a little bit. So Jason Bateman, he's, um, Pretty legendary at this point. It's kind of crazy the career he's had. Star of Team Wolf 2. You know what's funny? Jason Bateman's <laughs> kind of turned into one of those actors that he kind of always plays Jason Bateman now. Like we, we've he, had this discussion before. He doesn't kind of always play himself. He literally always plays himself, with yeah. exception to Dodgeball when he was the uh, commentator. Oh, yeah. Cotton. Cotton. No, Cotton. <laughs> no. What would you guys, would you guys say he has like a best known for? Is it Team Wolf 2? this <laughs> i would say this it's yeah. probably this now yeah i would yeah. say a lot of this cast are best known for yeah this i'm trying to now. i'm almost trying to think yeah. like it's gonna be a big this. one and we're gonna be mad that we didn't think of it that's what happened with the tech well you know what i was thinking like the movie that comes to mind right now for me is not something he'd be best known for but Horrible remember bosses. um no um extract right he was the lead in extract 
I never seen that. The Mike Judge movie where yeah, they worked yeah, at was. like a, a, a an extract flavoring uh, warehouse. Uh, yeah, it was a great movie, but yeah, one of the like weirdly forgotten Mike Judge movies. Yeah, and then right after that we get uh this is Michael's mother. She isn't happy, and uh, we see the caption, and it's um Lucille Bluth socialite and that's played by jessica walter who um recently passed uh, a year or so ago so r.i.p to jessica RIP, that's a sad one yeah. and then uh for me best known as being Ooh, the mother the mother from um dinosaurs which is our second ever show so if you go back into the archives dinosaurs was our as our number two show for me she's always going to be the dean from pcu oh oh yeah i think pcu is one of those completely forgotten i don't even think you can buy pcu on like dvd or blu-ray or anything it's just like it was on every day after school for 20 years and now no one i have it on dvd somewhere she's um her voice uh on archer is like what i remember she's the mother yeah and they did a second a new season without her right I haven't seen the newest season. I've seen up until he comes out of the coma after they did those like three seasons of him like dreaming. But I, I, so I'm not sure. I wonder if they got her to do some voiceovers or something beforehand. Yeah. And the first line she, uh, she gives us in this one is look what those homosexuals have done to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael's just like, uh, you can't just comb that, comb that out and reset it. See, I was already laughing at that coming up and then you brought up her death. So I was already laughing for her death. So what? The, I was <laughs> laughing at that quote because I know it was coming up like you oh. were going to bring it up. But then you went into that she recently died, but I was already laughing. So now it's oh, like you were thinking ahead. at her death. All right. The way you said it made it sound like I was already laughing thinking about how she died. I was like, that's <laughs> terrible. That was a sad one. That was one of the ones that came across the news. And I was like, oh, I mean, she was older and lived a really good long life. But you're still yeah, bummed about it. Great you know? career. Yeah. And uh, so after she says that, we see a bunch of protesters chanting. We're here. We're queer. We want to get married on the ocean, which does not rhyme that well. Like, But immediately we're like, what, two minutes into this episode? And it's just like, I don't even want to call it quotable. It's like tidbitable, like everything in every section, whether it's, it's somebody very saying fast something, too. a sign. Yeah, it's there's a lot fast. going on very quick in the first few yeah. episodes. And yeah, at first I was almost a little confused if you're kind of taking away your knowledge of the show, because I'm like, are they protesting the Bluth event at first? Like it came off that way, you know, but it's not until later that they kind of make it clear what's really going on. That just me who felt that way when I first like as a, I think it's tough because you, you know, the episode. I just, yeah, I can't disassociate. I, I'm sure at the first time I did. I think even after seeing it, I didn't pick up on that they weren't protesting them. Oh, yeah, it's very, yeah, they, they say what they are protesting, but yeah, it looks like they're protesting the Bluth event, to me at least, because they're like right on their tail out in the ocean, like no, basically. Does. And they're it the does. only ones you could protest to, right? You're in the, you're in the fucking ocean. Who else are you <laughs> protesting to? And then the show, the ocean becomes such a big part of this show too, going forward, which is, I mean, I guess they live in a beach community, right? Right. Yeah, it makes sense. They basically live where they keep sending Nick every month. <laughs> and then we go back to Lucille who says that everything they do is so dramatic and flamboyant and it makes her want to set herself on fire, which is nice because uh, she gets cut off by her daughter, Lindsay, who's like, good grief, mother. Not all homosexuals are flamboyant. And she's like, oh, my God, I have the exact same blouse. And what <laughs> I think is ironic is so Lindsay Bluth uh, Funke, it says uh, slash activist, is uh, Portia de Rossi, who. So, yeah, so what's weird about that is. So Portia is gay in real life, but at the timing of this episode coming out, she was not out yet. So it's like, it's very ironic and like serendipitous in a way that her first line is like defending her mother's like homophobic statement. And then at the time she was closeted. No one even knew she was gay yet. She was like, uh, I think still married maybe when this first episode came out. I think so. Yeah. So just kind of, just kind of a funny little thing. Now, is this her? I don't remember her from 
anything else other than this. She was in a show that I've brought up before that we'll definitely probably end up covering that was god awful called Nick Freno, licensed teacher. That was <laughs> nope. one of why, why you can always go for shows that are god awful because that's the show she was in. It's not my fault. <laughs> you said, I, I like, I'll, I'll probably pick it, is what you said. Well, I like yeah. Joe Hedges' bets. <laughs> it was the show that was on before the Steve Harvey show. That's why I remember seeing it. It was like the block of like the Steve Harvey show that the Wayne's Brothers show and um, Jamie Foxx's show were all like a block for a long time. It was just funny to me that Joe was like a show that we're definitely going to do one day, probably. <laughs> so he was already like, go as he's saying, he's like, we're probably not definitely doing that show. I mean, it's, I don't remember <laughs> it being a very good show, but <laughs> so they they give you a little bit more information about her, and they they say that um, Lindsay's Michael's twin sister. Who like out of kind of an act of defiance moved to Boston and she got married and we see a photo of her husband and and I want to get into him more when we actually see him in the episode so I'll I'll cut it off there and I won't talk about um who plays her husband just yet I do love though that they say in an act of defiance married this man not moved to just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they show the photo and it's like eh, you can see that it's not quite a match on the number scale and uh, then we meet uh, Michael's oldest brother who's um oh can I just say um when he says they say that him and uh, Mike her and Michael haven't spoken in a year it's something that neither of them have, oh yep yep that's also a, mentioned I get such a, a sandlot vibe from the way he says that it's like the same type of narration it's just very strange yeah they, they bring up that they haven't talked in a year and they give you no backstory to it and just like so this is a thing and even later on when it kind of gets addressed it wasn't like they were feuding they just yeah. kind of weren't talking. It's a, he's really busy and she's just so into herself that they lost track of time. Yeah. So when we meet the oldest brother, we get the caption that says Job, but it's like an acronym because his name is George Oscar Bluth II. So they just call him Job for short. And then it uh, also lists him as a magician part time. And that's uh, my, played my by, favorite character on the whole series, by the way, played by Will he Arnett. Is, yeah, yeah. Will Arnett, uh, hilarious. He's been in a million things himself. Again, Will Arnett, what would you say taking this show aside? What would you like when you hear his name? What do you think of? This aside from this, the Mike O'Malley show because I didn't. That's all I would have seen him in before this. Really, I watched a lot of shitty sitcoms growing up, and we're gonna cover every single one of them. I was thinking maybe like um, Blades of Glory. Oh yeah, that's post this though, right? No, I'm saying, but like nowadays, if you hear his name, like what's side of this? Okay, he's just in everything as that character too. Like he, he's one of those like people. He's he recently hosted like a game show where like people played with Legos. (laughs) I think that was like a year ago that came out. He has a great episode of Parks and Rec where he's uh, a blind date for Amy Poehler. Oh, right. Well, at the time, they were married. They were married, yeah. He's got that new Netflix show, too, with that murder mystery one. Oh, I heard that was actually pretty good, too. Now, is he brothers of the greatest WCW champion of all time? Are you thinking of David Arquette, not yes, Arnett? I am. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I hate that the one wrestling reference for this episode is that. Uh, I think you literally already mentioned wrestling earlier. <laughs> We were talking oh, about TBS. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. What's that is funny not is, his brother, is it? Nope. I, no, it's funny because David Arquette family, has like different spelling. Yeah. He has like multiple famous siblings in um, Will Arnett. It's a completely different <laughs> last name. Is not one of them. Ah, <laughs> oh, horse shit. Names are hard. It's okay, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Names are hard. <laughs> Our introduction to Job is um, him and Michael are sitting there and they're on the boat and he's like, so this is the magic trick, huh? And Job's like, illusion, Michael. A trick is something a whore does for money. Like immediately sold. I love how it just pans yeah. out and the children are looking up at him. Does he respond after that with or candy? Yeah. Yeah. No, more yeah. candy. Yeah. Like, uh oh. And uh that's when we get the narrative saying that 
Job recently started the Alliance of Magicians, which is an organization that blackballs any performer who reveals a magician's secret. And they show this like picture of the of the alliance altogether. That's a real thing. It's not called that, but this really is like I thought that that was just what being a magician is. Like they have a code and stuff. The... They have like their own kayfabe. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's official. Like if there's an official group or something, I feel like there probably is because they take it very serious. I don't know. We saw Carrot Top reveal a trick the other day for money. That. <laughs> yeah, he dropped a trick right out of his pants. <laughs> his penis. We've all seen Carrot Top's penis. Not me. <laughs> You're missing out. I, how will I live with myself? That's the one carrot that's not good for your eyes. Waga, 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 waga. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think his bush is like kind of like stringy, like a like the top of a carrot? And then we meet the youngest of four siblings, and uh, the caption we get there is uh, Byron Buster Bluth, who is uh, just listed as a graduate student, played by I Tony Hill. His name is Byron. Yeah, I don't think they ever. Yeah, they, they never go back to it, right? No. Yeah. Tony Hill, he's in stuff. I think you'll always remember him as Buster. At least I will. He was on Chuck. So, yeah, I was just going to bring yeah. this up. So me and Ferg have watched Chuck. It's not a show we'll do, but it's um, it's just like one of those kitschy, you know, it's like about spies and stuff like that. And it's goofy. Tony Hale is in one of the seasons, right? And it's it's one of those things where you never see somebody... Like, even, like, the good guys never really kill the bad guys. Like, it's always just, like, a knock them out and, like, throw them away or whatever. For some reason, they thought it fit to shoot Tony Hale in the face in the show <laughs> in a so fucking parking lot scene. dumpster. Like, everybody's like, yeah, like, just getting knocked out and dragged away. But when Tony Hale shot up, they had to shoot him in the face <laughs> next to a dumpster. And I was like, why? Why did he have to be the one that got actually killed? Can you separate him? Anytime I see him in anything pop up, he's just Buster to me. So like, so yep. I actually can because he is a really good actor. I've seen him in a couple things. It's easy to separate, you know. I, I agree with you. Yeah, he's also like borderline like autistic in Arrested Development. Yeah, so like yeah. If he's above that at all, he's easy to differentiate. Yeah, he's not right? playing that hard of a character. Yeah. Do you remember he was in a, a movie that Gordo had a poster of on his wall that we made fun of endlessly? He was in Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector. <laughs> and when I think of him in that, I just think of Gordo having the giant movie store poster on his wall. It's a good movie. I also, uh, I do like that um, when we're introduced to the character, he's like doing this like playful back rub with Michael, which is just very awkward. Like it's like a yeah. chummy, like it's not like a weird thing, but he's so awkward that it's making something simple very uncomfortable it also looks pretty aggressive yeah it's yeah. funny too because like they treat him like so he is the youngest one right right so he's the youngest one but they're all like in their 30s and 40s but they still treat him like he's 10 which is because yeah. michael always calls him but oh yeah you know not right now buddy like he's just you know <laughs> shooing him <laughs> yeah this episode it's hard to say because we can't talk about going ahead but this lays the groundwork for a lot of like the jokes and rhythm of the whole series going forward things like calling him buddy this show by the way has a very like unique style that it's like shot and like presented which is very established right from the first episode which i thought was really interesting because i think when you take a different approach and you have that so locked in so early on there's a lot to be said for that. And then one thing I thought was like really interesting was the show's kind of shot mockumentary style. 
but it's not. It's like the proto mockumentary. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it's shot in a way that it feels like a mockumentary. It's shot that way, but like, there's no like talking head or anything. There's no acknowledgement that there's a camera crew. So it's not technically that. Yeah. It feels like a reality show, but without the, um, like confessional segments. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which is essentially what Parks and Rec is, right? They never really did talking heads, did they? No, they did yes, talking they did. heads. Yeah. In didn't the they? beginning, they, um, they acknowledged the camera crew. We, yeah. We covered it. If you want to go back in our archives and listen. Exactly. <laughs> I think it just drifts off a little bit in that show versus yeah. like the office where they always do it. Oh, that's a fair point. Anyways, to go back, um, we find out more about Buster. He's like studied everything from Native American tribal ceremonies to cartography, which is like the mapping of uncharted territories. And like they show in like little clips, especially him with like in a he's like out in like a field with a bunch of Native Americans playing his drum. And it's like he's just a he's just a because he's rich. Right. Because because they said it's like. Thanks to his family's uh, largesse, which is just, you know, big, generous donations, essentially. That's why he's been afforded all these, like, weird classes and things he's been able to learn. Yeah. He's just a perpetual student. Right. Yeah. And then um, you cut to this brief conversation between Michael and Buster about the cartography where Michael asks, like, hasn't, like, basically all the big explorers <laughs> essentially already covered this land? <laughs> And and Buster's just like he's trying to like explain it, but he's just like so anxiety ridden. Yeah, they they did a pretty good job. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Magellan did a pretty good job. <laughs> and then uh, we get to uh, the narrator closing it out by saying like, "Yes, this is his family. So why is Michael so happy? Because he's decided to never speak to these people again." And then we get like a really quick, just brief intro screen. It's one of those we've we've covered this now. A lot of these shows just basically flash you the name of the of, of the show and just kind of move on. Which is, you know, more new style. But at this point, early 2000s, that's kind of like when it was really starting, right? Yeah, this felt new at the time. Right. Yeah. So from that point on, from the intro, we get to earlier that day. So this is showing you kind of what happens later on, kind of mid-episode. But then we flash back to the beginning of the day, where it starts with Michael and his son laying in, like, sleeping bags talking. And then we get a caption that says, George Michael Bluth, frozen banana salesman, child. And that's um, Michael's son, and that's played by Michael Sarah. And Michael Sarah, I think later, you know, this was his breakout role, but then I think super bad is what really broke him into like the stratosphere. And For then, sure, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be. No, Juno. Juno was really big too. Juno, yeah. And, uh, I forgot about that. W- what's that one when he's in the band that all the fucking people like and I can't stand that? Oh, um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that or Juno. I just feel like I've never I would seen hate Scott every Pilgrim. Actually. Juno's pretty good. I've never seen Scott Pilgrim. Scott but- Pilgrim is ass. Other than Ferg, who thinks it's ass, everyone else I've ever talked to seems to like it. And like people that I would like it. That's how it goes. against the grain kind of guy. He is. Right, baby. <laughs> and it's usually because Ferg is a contrarian. He doesn't like to admit it, but. <laughs> I was going through Michael Sarah's IMDb from like before this show because I just wanted to see if I would have recognized anybody at the time. Right. And the only thing I could think of that any of us would have probably seen him in before this was he was on an episode of La Femme Nikita. So it's very possible we just forgot to turn off USA after Raw and saw him for like two seconds before we went to bed in like 1993. It's funny how you brought up Michael, though, how he always plays the same character and every everything. Well, that's Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good for him, though. He probably has a very healthy bank account for just being that character and not having to do too much lifting you know and he dated aubrey plaza for a while which go fucking figure (laughs) better to be funny than anything else right funny and talented and rich doesn't help it doesn't hurt now when i look back and i think about michael sarah because he kind of just disappeared right like he had like this mega run there was a point where there was like a i think it was like a jersey shore 
takeover on MTV and like Michael Sarah was like doing like these like kind of segments with them. Oh, he got they, the haircut, like, right? They, yeah, they gave him the haircut and like put him in like an affliction shirt and self tanner. Yeah. And he was like so uncomfortable because he was just being awkward because that's like how he always plays. And it was, I don't know why. I just thought it was the mo- like the most hilarious thing at the time. I feel like he's kind of aging to me like the baby in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like he's smoking a cigar, <laughs> but I still think he's a baby and I'm very confused by what's happening. Like you see him with kind of graying stubble and you're like, what the fuck is going on with this baby you know what killed his career the i can't think of the actor's name the dude from zombie land oh um, basically the same uh, J- person. jamie eisenberg is that it jesse jesse, jesse Eisen- eisenberg yeah who's that it's just he's zombie just slightly land. a better actor but they're basically yeah, the same person you'll know him when you see him yeah okay. uh, uh, what's the name of them um the, the social network social network the one about facebook yeah i did not see that good movie zombie land yeah, so Michael is telling his son about the importance of family and how he's made nothing but sacrifices for the family, but tonight's going to be when it all finally pays off, because this is when his father is going to name him partner for the company. And you see his commitment because they show that the two live in this model unit of his father's latest like housing track, and um, but they live in the attic so that the house can still function as like a pristine selling tool. So they live in this beautiful model home, but they just sleep up in the attic in sleeping bags. That's a weird, I've never been, have you ever been into a model home like that? Has anybody ever gone into like an open house for a brand new building? No. It must be so sterile and weird. No, because they set them up to look like a lived in home. Yeah, I mean, they super decorate them. And we kind of see that with that next scene. Because um, you cut to them in the dining room and Michael's telling his son, like, once all this happens, he's going to be able to, you know, get him all the things that he deserves, like a real home. And you get, that's when um, George Michael's like, this is a real home. (laughs) And he's like, no, it's not. It's a fake home, son. (laughs) no it's not it's like you want loops or flakes and he picks up this fake turkey that's in the middle of the uh dining room table and they just have like those little mini cereal boxes wedged inside of it i feel like you could have had those in the cabinet and if people were looking at the model house and they were like oh it feels even more lived in because there's fucking cocoa pebbles in here like i don't understand why they had to be hidden in a turkey's asshole (laughs) yeah like it's it's important that the house is clean right it doesn't have to legit be all fake things right. like it's not gonna like correct you don't need the illusion that this is all fabricated right like dishes in the sink is different than like hey look there's a box of yeah but that's his that's cabinet. his character they're showing just how anal he is it's, this is my personal stuff i have to hide it because they can't see that i'm like living here like right i guess or they also could have just had it up in the attic it's a big attic it's true too true but if you have the convenience, I guess, of just hiding it in the turkey so that when you want to have breakfast. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You're hiding the tur- you're hiding the cereal in the turkey. I'm assuming there's milk in the fridge. Right. So why is yeah. milk in the fridge okay, but food in the cabinets is not? Maybe the milk's hiding somewhere else, like in the fish tank. Also, that's not a good hiding spot. If I'm if I'm checking out that house and I see a plastic turkey, I'm picking it up. <laughs> you're stealing that turkey. Let <laughs> <laughs> well, be a win. You'd steal the turkey. You'd get a fun fake turkey out of it and a snack. There you go. It's a win-win. After breakfast, uh, you see, like, uh, I guess the guy's headed over to Balboa Island. And then they show that uh, in 1953, this is where George Sr. started a business selling frozen bananas. And we get like this kind of flashback photo of the banana stand, which fades to like modern day where it's still standing in the same spot. Only now you have George Michael standing there because that's where he works. There's always money in the banana stand. Hey, that's future episodes. (laughs) Shit. It's so hard. I thought that was in this episode. No, it comes in No, that's way down the line. It's the first season still. Michael meets up with Job to discuss the party that they're having later, which is, you know, what we saw little clips of at the top of the episode. Job wants to do a magic show uh, for his contribution instead of paying his end of the party. Like, cause I guess essentially they're going to just split it up amongst uh, the four siblings. And uh, Michael's like, yeah, that would be great. Oh, wait, but dad's retiring. He's not turning six. <laughs> 
Also, to make Job a, a huge villain, he shows up on a fucking Segway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, immediately hateable. This was the first time I ever saw a Segway was on this show. Yeah. Did the owner, did the creator the of the Segway die on a Segway at this point? Yep. Oh, well, had he already, was he already yeah. dead? No, no, I don't think he was already dead yet. Because I was yeah, aware yeah. of what Segways were, I think, when that happened. Wait, the owner of the Segway? The creator. The creator. It went, of the it went out of control and went off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like, I think he went like, off a cliff. Yeah. I think yeah. he was yeah. like experimenting with some sort of new feature or new one entirely. And he just Who's drove Segways off a cliff. near a cliff? The guy who invented it. In my head, it was like Looney Tunes, too. He was big and then <laughs> small and then a cloud of smoke. <laughs> he made it like a solid 10 feet beyond the cliff and he was still in the air before it moved down at all. Mother. <laughs> the, the, he, he went right by Dr. Atkins falling, dying in his heart attack from yeah. the Atkins diet right before it happened, too. It's like the wacky world of humorous deaths. Yeah. All the deaths that happened on Irony Boulevard. <laughs> So Greg Segway no longer with us. Of course, it's Greg. Greg. <laughs> Joe pleads with him because he wants to do this new illusion that he just got called the Aztec Tomb, which cost eighteen thousand dollars. And you know, we'll get into it, I guess, when we see it later. But the thought that that could possibly cost any more than two thousand dollars tops is insane. My thought to this was, who's making this, right? Because <laughs> now, is there like are Acme. there carpenter? magicians there's like a magician calendar or oh, they sworn to secrecy like you can right yeah us. because yeah. if you just have somebody right, making this yeah. it's the they aztec will know tomb the it came from the aztecs idiot is it an aztec carpenter magician <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they yeah. carpenter ants that way they can't tell anybody <laughs> yeah it's 2000 to make it and then an additional 16 to have them vow to silence after creating it and then job also tells him just charges the party to the company but michael refuses because it's not like a business expense and job tells him who cares lindsay's been staying at the four seasons for a month and that's definitely being charged to the account and uh michael didn't even know that she was in town that's again their sister and when job realizes that he spilled the beans this goes back to what you're saying with the segue he just like turns off and just <laughs> rides away silently yeah i'm gonna say though how is it not a company expense when your like ceo is retiring that's like a a big event i guess in that case that you true. could make a legitimate claim that that especially when you see the other ways that they've spent money <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the most legitimate thing they would have spent it on i know we were talking about possibly getting together maybe in the spring like everybody's sort of meeting up and uh doing some episodes and stuff together and hanging out can we maybe go and do a segue tour we probably never could. been on one before i don't want to go off a cliff and die Joe. they go by my work all the time oh, it's crazy yeah, when i work downtown always yeah and there's like the guy yeah. in the microphone <laughs> yes they just talk into like these walk talkies when they're yeah. already three feet from each other and you don't really need it we i'll only do it if we like buy like brightly colored matching t-shirts like we have sure. to be as obnoxious about it as humanly possible the second the tour starts can we all just go scatter and go in separate directions on the segue <laughs> <laughs> bold of you to assume that i'm not gonna crash someplace Honestly, oh, I'm not. I'm not good with stuff like that at all. One of us will die, but but who will it be? A fitting end of the podcast. <laughs> Tune in yeah, next tune week. In. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in next week. Tune into our YouTube channel to find out who dies. I'll wear a GoPro. I have a. a I hate GoPro. you all. <laughs> well, as long as one of us goes off a cliff and yells, "Hillary Banks, will you?" Marry me? <laughs> <laughs> that way we can keep it sitcom related. Anyways, so now Michael heads to his mom's house to confront her about Lindsay being in town and all the spending. And he tells her she's cut off from using the company card to purchase things. And she replies by telling him that 
She had to buy the Aztec tomb because it was a career maker for Job. You know, he did not go in knowing that she's the one who paid for that with a company card, but $18,000, again, to go back about how this company is misspending their money, went to buying Job a toy. Which he also, he used that as an excuse to not give money, <laughs> but he didn't pay for it. It's 2000, it, I've said at the top of the episode, it was 2003. 2003, so 18 grand 20 years ago. And all that's while she's like distracted because someone cut one of the feet off of her fox fur. And I was like, that's kind of gross. Because it's one of those furs that like, I know there was a day and age where this was seen as like elegant, but it's a, like a just a fox that's like been gutted out and, but there's still a head and like all the feet. And like that to me is so weird to just drape that over your body. Yeah. Whenever I see the ones yeah. like that, I just think of the one that comes alive in Ghostbusters 2 when it touches the slime and then runs <laughs> around the street. Like that's all I can think by, of. By the way, boys, $27,000 now. Awesome. Thank you for yep. imagine if somebody said here, go buy a illusion for $27,000. <laughs> but like to go back to this fur. So I understand the appeal of wearing like an actual fur and where you stand on like the morality of that is neither here nor there. But like, I can understand like on an aesthetics, like the, you liking the visual of fur or like a faux fur, if that's your thing. But the idea of wearing the head of an animal on your shoulder with its feet dangling down, like I just don't, I can't get my head around that. Yeah. Like a fur coat or like a muff or something or a hat where you're like, you just have it for style or warmth, whatever. Like again, don't necessarily agree with that, but fucking feet hanging down. So weird. But I will say if we were to go back to like when we were in like middle school age, I used to wear like a rabbit's foot on my like wallet chain. Like, I did have one of those. I used to gr- grab those all the time. That was made out of fake material. It was no, green. No, they were They were dyed the fur, Ferg. <laughs> like they were they, not real rabbit's feet. They, they were, were just designed ra- to look like rabbit's no, feet. Those are, no, those I think those were, were like Spencer gift ones that were made out of like balsa wood. and. Yeah, there's no way those were real, Jay. They were for Did sure you real. The impression it was I real? No. I don't think they were real. <laughs> I mean, I don't have one with me to double check, but I'm fairly confident. I'm positive How were you going to double check? I, I was going to say if I had one, I could... Like, <laughs> feel around it, <laughs> dissect it. I mean, like, cause like rabbits are used for like food purposes too. So it's not like they're just killing them for their feet, but this is disgusting. So there's no need to talk into it further, but I mean, An they could repurpose. Yeah. Yeah. They could be used and repurposed for that. But anyways, Michael also calls her out for putting up Lindsay in a five-star hotel for a month and not telling him. And she tells him, if you're saying I play favorites, you're wrong. I love all my children equally, which cuts to like a little minor flashback of her, like from earlier in the day, just saying like that she doesn't care for Joe, which I believe is what Joe said at the top of this episode. (laughs) It's like she takes a big sip of martini and says it too. And uh, this is when we finally meet Lindsay's husband, Tobias. And that's played by David Cross, who he's absolutely hilarious. Like I love David Cross's stand-up. Um, he acts in a bunch of things, but I've just, I kind of think of his stand up before I think of his acting roles, other than this. Scary movie, yeah, other too, than this. Yeah. Scary movie's a big one, but Men in Black, Waiting for Guffman. He just shows up in so much stuff. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. His stand up is really good, though. I wonder if, when's the last time he released something? Because I don't um, think he has in a long time now. I think he did not too long ago, but I'm not 100% sure to check be his Spotify. Fun, fun fact, by the way, they didn't want the character to have a mustache, and he really fought hard to have that mustache. It's funny I'm now glad he did. Yeah, I couldn't imagine him without it. And it's weird, because like, it seems like a minor detail, but it, it yeah, it, it very much ties that character together. Oh, he actually does. He had an album come out in uh, 2019. There you go. Not too long. Nice. No, although I'll now... I'll give that a listen. I've always been into stand-up comedy, but I've been in like a huge kick lately, so I'm excited to have a new one. I've never heard of stand-up. I assume he's one of those like really dirty comics. Just 
He's but pretty dirty, but in he's, a way, he's good. Yeah. He's like smart dirty though. Yeah. He's very open about all his like shortcomings in life early on, yeah, okay. like drugs and stuff like that. I'll check. Yeah. That out. I always thought he was really funny. Is there any, did you guys ever watch Mr. Show with Bob and David? A little I've bit. Seen yeah. It in pieces. Yeah. Mr. Show is another one of those shows that was like a big DVD show in like my first apartments that like we didn't have cable. It was like, all right, everyone's just going to get drunk and watch Mr. Show again. And uh, it still holds up. Still very funny. Yeah, it was It was almost I, I almost want to say groundbreaking. It was like a little before its time, I want to say. For sure. Yeah. I think it would have been bigger if it came out at a different time when like that. I don't know if we were caught up with that kind of humor yet. I think at the time, too, because it was on HBO and just that was before like the sort of renaissance where a lot of people had HBO. Right. It just didn't get seen by enough people, you know? Also true. So uh, Michael asked Tobias how his job search is going because we find out that Tobias recently lost his medical license for administrating CPR to a person who, as it turned out, was not having a heart attack. And they show you like a little bit of uh, cutaway footage for that. And the newspaper says he broke his sternum. He was giving him CPR so hard. How hard it is to break a sternum? That happens anytime you give CPR. You crack the ribs and sternum. Really? Yeah. Yep. I think oh, you like. Ha- I think you have to to like get to the heart to like. Yeah. Like, pump it's it. like common. Okay, so I'm thinking of the. Oh, I'm thinking of like the chest plate that's really hard to break. Then right? No, that's the sternum. You, yeah, you're thinking that of the right thing. The sternum. Is- the sternum can break away from your rib cage easily, but the sternum itself is probably pretty hard. Right. Right. All right, yeah. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. actually just recently trained. That's the only reason why I remember that. Retrained. How would that get your license taken away, though? If you're a doctor, you should probably note if a guy's having a heart attack or he's just hanging out at a pool. <laughs> like, you can't just... I feel like that's probably... I, I feel like there's probably got to be other strikes on his record. Yeah, there's probably the third one. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like you meet this character for just a minute and you realize there's probably a lot of strikes on the record. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. the straw that broke the camel's back. Or the person's sternum. Yes. <laughs> so Lindsay walks in and Michael asks how her flight was to see if she would like be honest about the situation, uh, about being there for a month. And she wasn't until her mom kind of stooges it off that he already knows. So she apologized and said it was because they've been really busy and then mentions a fundraiser they just had for the anti-circumcision movement called HOOP, which stands for <laughs> Hands Off Our Penises. <laughs> this joke, like the joke of the acronym... This is probably the hundredth time I've seen this episode. I still laughed out loud when it said hands off our penises again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a real thing. Like people, uh, I saw a. Oh, not hoop specifically, but not maybe... hoop specifically. <laughs> but there was a guy I saw down in um, downtown crossing on Christmas around Christmas time holding signs that said, get your hands off my penis. It's my penis, my choice. So there is a movement. Out there. I don't think it's a movement when it's one guy. Sounds like a guy, not a movement. <laughs> he had a website. Small movement. Oh, he had digits. a website. He had a website. One guy. We have a website. That. It was yeah. S twenty one pod dot com. Uh, if you want to check out our website, I believe that man's website was at GeoCities though. Could have been. It could have been on tripod. Angelfire.com. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Try cities. Can we do an Instagram thing where we take the picture, Jay, that you do for all of us for the red light or green light for one slide, and then you guess who is circumcised and who's not, and then the second slide can be green for yes and red for no? No, I'm not going to do that. Moving <laughs> I on. Bet, I, bet uh, Dave is, I bet Dave is against circumcision after his botched one. That's true. This is not the first show we've covered where the pilot has extensive circumcision talk. That's true. So anyways, we get a flashback to the um, the fundraiser. And she's talking about how I think it looks frightening when it's cut off. It's like a Doberman. <laughs> Let it have its ears. 
we cut back and Lindsay tells Michael, believe it or not, uh, we brought in over $40,000 at that fundraiser. And uh, he goes, unbelievable. Sounds like you saved enough skin for 10 new boys. And I was like, that's <laughs> disgusting. Because I was just thinking of like it's these a very, like, like non-Michael thing to say too. Well, because now I'm thinking about these mutant children made out of nothing but foreskin. Oh. <laughs> it's like disgusting. <laughs> and then Tobias kind of offhandedly mentions that how most of that money came from the Bluth family. Uh, you know, he was, I guess, not supposed to say that out loud, uh, at least in front of Michael. And again, just showing you how much Lucille just tosses money at anything her kids ask for, essentially. Which I guess Michael, if he was a ma- wasn't a man of morals, would be able to cash in on. It's not like she's just not giving him money. He's just the only one who does right by the family. I'm sorry that being a good mother is a, a crime now, apparently. It's not her money. It's the company money. You're stealing from the company. <laughs> Give well, we kids. find out. It turns out that that does cause quite a bit of an issue yep. later on. Yes. That's when he, that's when Michael goes, you know what? You guys have had uh, your hands in the company coffer for years, but starting tomorrow, there's going to be a new boss in town and you're all going to have to start fending for yourselves. You're all going to have to finally feel that sweet sting of sweat in your eyes as in the whole time he's giving that big speech, you just hear the doom, 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 doom. You have this big dramatic drumming that goes on, and he just goes, Buster, can't you do that in the balcony, bunny? And then you see that the whole time it was just, it was just, um, yeah, it was just Buster's like Native American drum lessons that he had taken. He was just practicing. I can't. Mom said it's too windy. Yeah. Mom says it's too windy. (laughs) Like Like he's going to blow off of a balcony. I love how he has sheet music and like the full blown (laughs) music stand. Like he's practicing like, you know, Mozart or something. Yeah. And he's basically just going one, two, one, two, one, two. And they show him earlier when they're doing this sort of montage of all the things he's gone to school for. And he's in the drum circle and just has a huge smile on his face. And he's just hitting it totally out of rhythm as fast as he can. And the woman takes his hand to stop him. And we get this nice uh, weird little two box transition. They did it a couple times in this episode where it's showing Lucille still kind of like looking at her fox with the one missing foot. And then on the other side, on the other box is um, you see the person that's holding the fourth foot who cut it off. And then, you know, we cut over to that screen now. And then we see that the girl holding the foot is up at the banana stand to tell George Michael that she found this in her banana. And they have like a little bit of dialogue back and forth. And that's when um, he finally recognizes that that's her cousin, maybe, who's uh, May Funke. What her name's Alia Shawkat? Am I saying yep. that correct? Mm-hmm. She's been in stuff after, but she was really young when this came out, and I couldn't say I knew anything from before. But now every no. t- every now and again, she'll pop up in something. I'm like, oh, it's maybe she's in that um I Love Lucy movie that just came out. Oh, is oh, that the Ricardo? Yeah, I wanted to to check that out. She's in a great episode of The League, an episode we covered in our archives. Oh, that is right. And uh, the movie Blaze that came out a couple years ago, she was really good into. And that movie with Audrey Plaza when she's trying to have sex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think what it's called for the life of me. I know what movie I never under. I don't think I ever saw it, which is weird because I love uh, Audrey Plaza. But anyways, yeah. Maybe couldn't believe that he didn't recognize her sooner, but George Michael reminds her that they never really see each other. So that's when she's like, you know, we need to get back at our family for this. Like, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not good that two cousins have gone so long that they don't even recognize each other that easily. To teach them a lesson. Time out. Joe, get it out of your system. Anything can happen with two cousins to herself. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, step cousin. What are you doing? Oh, that. Yeah. Well, they're not, they didn't say step cousins, so I wasn't going to go there. They're real cousins. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> oh, actually kind of gross. Yeah, well, yeah. So, well, they <laughs> well, crossed that the Alabama special there. <laughs> as we'll as we'll get into it, 
Yeah, so her way of teaching them a lesson is that she says that um when she sees her mom, she's going to tell her that she met a cute guy and then just to make out with George Michael in front of her mom, which is like, he obviously, he's very awkward about it. He's an awkward character in general, but I think in this case, it's actually understandably so. And he's like, isn't that illegal? First Cousins, that's definitely illegal. It yeah, is First illegal. Cousins, I think it's illegal in every state. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it's not illegal in uh, Shelbyville. <laughs> It's a deep cut Simpsons reference for only Ferg seemed to understand. <laughs> no, I, I got, got sh- I didn't remember the, the specific episode, but yeah, no, I thought that was, um, obviously that's a really awkward thing. That's your first introduction to this character. And she's just recommending that like she should make out with her cousin really interesting. I mean, obviously there's a lot of really extreme characters in the show, but that just seemed like a weird thing to tackle really on. And obviously for those who have seen this show knows it becomes a, an ongoing theme, but, um, very interesting way to introduce you to her. This too, for all the times I've seen this, when they flash her name and it's like May quotations, maybe Funke. Yeah. I, for all the times, completely never picked up on the fact that her name's actually May. I just Same. thought that maybe was a weird name they gave her because they're weird. Until parents. this, uh, until rewatching this episode, I didn't realize that it was her name either. Yeah, same. Awesome. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Me it too. Four of us. <laughs> okay, perfect. All so five that's of so us. weird. We've all seen it before and nobody picked up on it, huh? Very strange. Well, they only flash it in this episode. I don't think they ever revisit it. No, I guess maybe it's because we've all seen it before, but we were never taking notes. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah really think we were like watching it analytically. Because right. Yeah. Because other than the fact that they flash her name at the top of the episode, other than that, she's just always called maybe from that point forward. So there's no real reason to think about it for. Further. Call me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that that's one for Gordo's soundboard. <laughs> we cut over to Tobias, who, because of a comment from Michael earlier when they were talking, is now under the impression that the party that night is pirate themed. So we see him going through like his wife's clothes and looking for something to wear, and then then you see him uh, <laughs> all dressed up, and then the narrator is saying, uh, "Then mistaking a group of garshly dressed men for pirates, Tobias boarded a van full of homosexuals. Soon he was <laughs> unwittingly part of a protest against the local yacht club. So that goes back to what we were saying earlier. The protest was against the yacht club. I guess I'm assuming they wouldn't allow them to like rent out the yacht club." for like a gay wedding. So that's why they were like on a boat, like right near where the yacht club was. I do love letting it breathe. Then telling you what was happening in that first scene, 15 minutes later. I love the way this show's cut all around. And I think like, um, he was like so happy with himself too. When he got dressed, like he was just really excited. And then right from there is when we cut back to like where we were at the beginning of the episode, like you were saying, we're caught up to that line where Lindsay sees the pirates and notes that she has that same blouse. Little does she realize at the time that's because it is her blouse and that's her husband that's on the boat. But she literally has that same blouse. Yes, it is that same exact blouse. Th- it's that the specific, specific same blouse. And now um, we go over to George Sr. for, I think, the first time, right? Yeah. And he's finally making his uh, announcement. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't. I forgot to write his name down, I believe. Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, there you go. Thanks. Um, again, uh, anything stand out for him? He's in a ton of stuff that I yeah. watched a lot as a kid. He's in Mr. Mom with yeah, Michael he's Keaton. in a lot of stuff. He's actually in the Hangover movies. Uh, yeah, he has City a lot Slickers. of roles. Don't walk away City from Slickers, it either. Transparent. He's had a pretty long career. And some not great allegations against him in the past, too, so we should probably not bring that up. Mm. Well, you just, well, you just brought did. it up. You just brought it up. <laughs> well, I mean, like, not talk yeah. about it, but I mean, like, right. mention it to be like, we are aware of this. We're not going to. Got it. I wasn't, but okay. Including Jessica Walter, who had some shit to say, which bummed me out. That is unfortunate. I love yeah, how you were really like, let's not get into it. And then you. Well, now yeah, I'm kind of pissed off. Like, <laughs> let's not bring it up. And then you bring it up. You're like, well, let's not get further into it. But to get further into it. <laughs> well, fuck it. I feel yeah. bad because she's dead. And now I'll defend her because she's not here to do it herself. And even she said she was like, oh, yeah, no one's ever been that mean to me on a set before. 
but I'd still work oh, with him. That's the allegations oh, that he was it? mean. No, 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 no. That was the allegation towards her. The other allegations were of a sexual nature to women who were younger than her. Got it. Oh, okay. Okay. So moving on. So George Sr. says um, that he's now going to, it's the big announcement time. He's going to say, uh, you know, I give to you the new CEO of the Bluth Company, certainly the smartest Bluth, my favorite Bluth, and the sexiest creature I've ever laid eyes on, my lovely wife, Lucille. And the whole time that that's happening, they're showing like Michael reacting to it. So he's like, okay, okay. When it was like the smartest and my favorite. But then even when he said like, and the sexiest, he still, he was like, that's a weird thing for him to say about me. He, even at that point, it hasn't clicked that like, he's not giving the company to him. This turned into like Ryan and Michael from the office territory a little bit. Yeah. And then Lucille reacts like she just won Powerball, but like. Obviously, she knew that that was the announcement. So I don't know why her reaction was like shock, like she just won something. <laughs> that, that seemed like a really weird response to that. If there's one thing this this whole c- show in general proves, it's that she has the best I'm surprised yell out of like any actor of all time. But she does perfectly here. It was just so strange to me, right? Because like she knew. So everyone else but her should be shocked. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe it was a last second decision. It wasn't like a prize, right? Like he wasn't supposed to be just like awarding it at random. Like there was a raffle for it. Well, it seemed like everybody, including her, thought it was going to Michael. because She didn't say anything when he threatened to cut her off and stuff. She Maybe she knew. Yeah, she kind of, that's probably why she didn't like fight him too much. She probably knew deep down, like it's not going to him anyways. Yeah, but because of what he ended up saying later on about why he picked her, I'm sure right. he talked about that with her. Yeah. Uh, do you think he did? I think he kind of probably was just... He probably talked to Lucille about it, I think. Maybe. I think he talked to his lawyer and then just yeah. assumed that she That's wouldn't... Tr- yeah, It's possible. He does go up to his son at that point and he whispers to him, like, sorry, it's not the right time. So he is acknowledging that, like, Michael should be, like, the heir to the throne here. Like, he is supposed to be the one who gets the company. And the only other thing um, that really flagged me in this moment is, like, why is there, like, a trophy? Like, what was it that George Sr. was holding that he hands to his wife when he gives her the company? Yeah, I, I thought that was like a retirement trophy. I never thought about it, but yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like a like a championship trophy. Yeah, it was like, it was like she won an award. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, what is that? Yeah, no, I don't know what it was. And I couldn't really make it out because they never really show it. So it, all you can kind of see is it looks like it has a um, like a flame on top, almost like the Olympic torch. Maybe he's passing the torch. Yeah, it Perfect. was. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was meant to be like passing the torch uh with like a actual symbol of representation. We cut to like a minute or so later and you see Michael on the deck overlooking the gay protesters and one is just holding a sign that says freedom which seems to like inspire him. So he you know he goes up to his son and he tells him that like they've wasted too long and uh now it's time to finally like move away from everything. And you cut to like maybe another minute or so from there and George Michael's now informing his cousin maybe that he's, you know, he's going to see her even less now. And she kind of reaffirms that maybe they should have taught them that lesson from earlier. And so her mom walks by. So she, as her mom's walking by, she just grabs George Michael and starts kissing him. But like the mother doesn't even notice. Like <laughs> Lindsay just walks straight by. So it's like essentially the kiss was for nothing, right? It didn't serve its purpose. It'll serve the purpose for George Michael though. Yes. But like, yeah. It's weird, though, because they keep going even after she walked by and didn't acknowledge. Yes, that's the thing. So, like, later on, and we'll get into what that is in a minute, but a big thing happens about a minute from now. And when all that happens and everyone reacts, you look over and, like, she's, like, just turning away now from kissing him. So they continued to kiss this whole time 
uh, without anyone watching them, which is, I just, again, I'm trying to take my knowledge of the show away and just like yeah. how weird it is that they went in for this like cousin makeout episode one thing. Like, you're like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. The whole reason Lindsay even walked by was to do like this photo op. And it was just like, uh, you know, her with her siblings and the mom, like, because of the big announcement. And, um, one thing there that I thought was weird was like, why is the father taking the photo? Like, you know, there's a bunch of staff on the boat. So like, shouldn't he be part of this family photo, like moving the, you know, passing the torch situation? You would think, but you know, that's just the way this family is that he would take it. It just seemed really weird to me. No, it was. It was really weird. They're also the kind of family that would have hired photographers. Right. That's why I thought it was strange. Like they have like a whole staff there and like the dad's taking the photo that he should be in in theory. While they're posing for this photo, they hear sirens and discover police boats. I liked when Job said, like, are those police boats? They thought he was telling a joke. So you got the little rim shot. (laughs) 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 But what is that joke? Well, because like the father just said a joke like two seconds before. So I think they thought he was following up with a joke. Right. But the joke is no. It's just a punchline for no setup. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a lot of things that don't make great sense when you dissect this show like this. Um, and, th- and that's certainly one of them. But then you get the police on the bullhorn saying, like, prepare to be boarded, prepare to be boarded. That's when you get George Michael. Like, that's when the when maybe turns away, like they were kissing apparently this whole time. And he's like, I knew this was against the law. <laughs> you got um, George uh, Sr. says it's the Securities and Exchange Commission and asks for his phone. So now we're getting a lot of cuts back and forth between George Sr. on the phone informing someone what accounts he needs to drain and what documents need to be uh, shredded. <laughs> Shred it. Keep it. Shred yeah. it. Yeah. I was going to say, I love the uh, the montage. And on the other end, you're getting Lucille, Lindsay, and Buster who are trying to take over the captain's quarters in hopes that, like, Buster can find a channel in the ocean so they get, like, a quick getaway. You notice, like, the captain's really silly looking, too. Yeah, I saw the captain. He was, like, because they, like, he was still, like, in the window, like, when they, like, move him (laughs) out. The uh the the funny part too is to go back to when he's telling the secretary to shred it, keep it, shred it, keep it. He goes, "Why are you crying? I'm the <laughs> yeah. one who should be crying. Why are you crying? <laughs> Nervous. Say goodbye to these nuts." <laughs> so while Buster's um looking at the map, uh, he's like, he's like, "Well, uh, obviously the blue part is the land." <laughs> <laughs> And he just starts having like this like super anxiety attack, which we we already know that he has anxiety issues, but he has like a meltdown and I don't want to make light of anxiety. Trust me. It's something that, you know, I get plenty on my own from time to time, but oh, for sure. his, his anxiety is very funny. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess to make light of a serious situation, um, his is, uh, pretty much only comedic whenever it happens to him. Yeah. I wish mine was that funny. Right. You would be, you would have a panic attack if you were to ask to be, to find where the land or, uh, the sea is on a map no i have a panic attack because i'm just walking down the street to get coffee and the world explodes in my head for no reason i would love to have to have a real reason to do it because at least i can make sense of yeah it. at least like oh there's police boats chasing you us know they make get medicine for that right <laughs> yeah that got grim real quick yeah but the idea of going to the doctor gives me too much anxiety yeah. <laughs> i'm trapped in my own personal why don't you tell him that you pee too much oh he beat me to it if you want to go back to our <laughs> Mulaney episode leave my broken thirst receptors alone couple months back now we did Mulaney. Uh, feel free to check that one out. But uh, anyways, we cut over to Job, who's with his dad, and he's trying to get him to like hide in the Aztec tomb. Uh, so at least I guess it served a purpose, right? Bringing it. But I, I like he's like, I'm not in the mood for magic right now. <laughs> illusions, dad. You don't have time for any of my illusions. Yeah. I like how he still doesn't have time for them, but he needs to correct the illusions yeah. still. <laughs> 
And like right from there, we cut to the news later that night, which is reporting that George Bluth was arrested tonight and uh, for defrauding investors and basically using the company as his personal piggy bank. Also in the news, we're seeing swishbucklers, which was the news that <laughs> swish <laughs> it shows that a lot of the the, the gay pirates were arrested. <laughs> And then we find out that even Joe made the news and it said that it was, uh, Mr. Blute's son, Gob, a uh, part-time <laughs> magician <laughs> who did his father. <laughs> I did a spit um, take when they called him Gob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who, uh, hit his father in the Aztec tomb. And now you have the news reporter in front of it who's exposing how it works, showing that like when you push the back panel, it opens up like a secret part. It ruined, it ruins his career. Yeah. And Joe's like, I, I have to think the alliance is going to frown on this. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he get in trouble though? He he wasn't the one who ex- who said anything. He is responsible for it though. I want to uh, and we'll we'll tackle that in a little bit because we get back into that a little later on. And then we see um Tobias show up and he's still in like this pirate outfit because I I think he was like one of the guys who got arrested. I assume so. He's was yeah. They're all in jail by the way. I don't know if I mentioned this. So like um, yeah, they're as the they're watching station. yeah as they're watching the news, the whole family is at the police station. So. Tobias probably just got released because his crime was a lot lesser, so he, they probably were able to bail him out immediately. And Tobias mentions that most of the men on the boat with him were actually actors from the local theater. <laughs> He's like, I've been waiting for the universe to provide a path for me, and uh, I think it has. And Lindsay's like, you're gay. He's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not gay. How many times do we have to talk about this? <laughs> like, I love that they cut away too. Like it sort of uh, fades out as he's saying it. it. Just really shows the frustration of how many times that conversation yeah. has been had between the two of them. Yeah, it's it's, it's n- clearly not the first time. Yeah, and he's like, "No, I want to be an actor." And then like they cut to him, and he has like this like excited little like ee like laugh, and like it. I died when that happened. I thought it was hilarious. His his facial for that part, his like sheer excitement at the news that he's like going to pursue acting was absolutely hilarious. And don't they all groan too a little bit at that? Yeah. I mean, he was a doctor like and well, not that he can go back to that anyway. So I guess you have to pivot and try something new. So <laughs> why not acting? I guess. Right. I guess if you lose your medical license, you might as well just do anything else. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you're starting from scratch no matter what. Michael updates the family and tells them that their dad has to stay in jail until the end of this is all sorted out, which got absolutely zero reaction from them. But then he goes on to say that they're also going to have to put a halt on the company's expense account. And then everybody gasps. And he's like, really? I thought it was going to be the jail thing. <laughs> At this point, their mom makes it known that for the time being, Buster is going to be in charge of the company. And I was like, what? Like, I get the from a comedy standpoint, but on a like a logic standpoint, I'm like, is this because they need she knows like he'll do whatever she wants or like she'll be able to spend freely like because i think if, it's to get her out of um to get her out of trouble to kind of absolve her but like why not hand it to michael at least you know he's gonna like not make the company go bankrupt it's because michael right. and her are at odds right now so she's doing it to stick it to him just to spite him that's what i that's how i took it i don't know if that's how they meant yeah but. i thought no, maybe it was take. just like i thought maybe she's trying to get her personal gain out of it uh, or like, so you won't have to do the work, but you'll still have someone who will do whatever you want. So you'll still have that open checkbook. I do like how she's like, oh, he's taken business courses before. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 18th century agrarian business. <laughs> <laughs> still, still basically the same principles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so anyone's concerned about an uprising. It's yeah. the biggest tenant of that type of business. So at this point, Michael's like, I'm done. He's sick of the greed and the selfishness, and he tells his sister that he expected this from all of them because they're completely oblivious, but like, she should know better. 
So I think there there is this kind of, even when you do meet him, like she's from a very odd family, like the family she's created for herself. And they're a bit eccentric too with the things that they do, but she does seem the most like grounded in reality, I guess, compared to the rest of the family. Even though they're not getting along, you can like feel the closeness that they're twins. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So right from there, then we see um Lindsay and her family sneaking out. They're like trying to get out of that four seasons and. Uh, they're just like running out, but like, are they skipping out on the bill? Like, what's like, yes. I don't understand what, is that it? Yeah. It's not no, even because it was already paid for. Yeah. I didn't know why they had to sneak out. I, I think the, the, they're implying that they're sneaking out because they went through the kitchen. Yeah. Maybe the card got, den- maybe they were charging the card. Oh yeah. Maybe it was on the declined. company card and it declined it. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Cause they froze all the assets. So they must That's have true. had to, yeah, you run That's out. That's true. And then, uh, we also get, uh, Tobias, uh, applying. Well, it says that Tobias was looking for jobs, but really he's just like auditioning for like local theater stuff. You see him like on this like little stage in this like tiny little, um, like playhouse. He's like, my name is Dr. Tobias Funke. I was a chief resident of psychiatry at Mass General for two years, and I did a fellowship in psycholinguistics at MIT. And this is, I'm a bad, bad man from Annie Get Your Gun. (laughs) (laughs) They pick, like, the perfect funny musical to do, too, right? Like, they didn't do something too big or too small. Annie Get Your Gun is just kind of, like, the perfect thing. Like, I laughed at him saying, Annie Get Your Gun. I do like the little note. Because they do mention that they were living in Boston, I thought it was like a nice little attention to detail that he had been at Mass General and MIT and actually like, you know, it doesn't take a lot of research, but just to make sure that they were accurate about where they said he was working. Boston. <laughs> Represent. We get cuts of Lucille, who's kind of like struggling at uh, press conferences and Michael accepting a job with a rival housing company. They're kind of just tying up everything, like what's going on from here. The one thing about Michael accepting that job that I didn't really like, though, is so they offer to uh, like set him up in Arizona in one of their finest estates. And he replies, attic or main house, which like I get the joke, but I thought that by saying that it made him as dumb as the rest of his family. I just feel like it might be like, don't say something really weird at the end. Like, imagine doing a great job at a job interview being like, you got the job. We're going to make you CEO. And as you leave, you just like fucking completely blow it by saying something. Give them the finger guns and wink at them. I I, I have a feeling like George Sr. just convinced him that's normal. Like, that's why he's living (laughs) in the thing. (laughs) I just thought it was like, I don't know, that line to me just. It's like a penthouse. It just didn't work for that character. I just thought it was one of those things where he was the one who was grounded and like actually had a head on his shoulders. So for him to say something that was like dumb like that to a new company, like, uh, so will I be living in the attic? Like, just seemed like a little beneath him to say that. But that was just, that, that was just me, I guess. So we also see Buster at like a board meeting and like, um, as things are going on, he like faints in his chair. <laughs> like, he, obviously, yeah, obviously he's not gonna be able to handle like board meetings and things like that. It just slides all the way down. <laughs> so yeah. So after we get this like little montage of what everyone's been up to, we just see Lucille again saying like, we need Buster. I'm we, sorry. We need Michael. Yeah. We, he, we need Michael. Yeah. And then Buster like comes by in the stretcher and he's got like the oxygen over his mouth and he goes like, we need Michael. The family sets up an intervention uh, where they tell Michael that he needs to run the company. And uh, he says this is more of a imposition, which it is. It's not like it's not an intervention like that isn't like, but that's what they insisted. The that's situation such his was. character, though, like he has to correct them. Like, yes. Joe pleads with them saying that, like, they're in trouble and he can't even perform his magic and that he's being blackballed by even the smaller venues. <laughs> 
And like, uh, what I like about that is that has nothing to do with what's going on. <laughs> like, it's just like he, yeah. almost like he just needed yeah. to get that off his chest. He needed to let everybody know. And that's Fuck when we off, cut traitor. Yeah, we, yeah we, we cut to like the man in the, in his house. Party. And he's like just having a child's birthday party. And he's telling <laughs> Job that, uh, he'd just be more comfortable with an alliance approved, uh, magician. And like, Job's like trying to just like, you know, take it on the chin and be a good sport. And he tells like the, like this teenage magician, he's like, you know, like give him the hell of a show. As Joe said, this like fucking teenager just goes, fuck off trader. Just walks (laughs) off. I like how he's essentially like a real human version of the like pimply faced kid from the Simpsons, like the your taco. Yes. And he's telling him to fuck off and calling him a traitor. And yeah. And again, like Ferg, you mentioned it earlier. Job didn't do anything wrong. He didn't expose. (laughs) He was not the one who exposed the trick so i get that like illusion i'm sorry the illusion tricks are what whores do for money (laughs) (laughs) or candy or candy but yeah so why does he have to like fall on the sword i understand that it happened on his watch of sorts but it's also a group he started you think he'd have control over if he was kicked out there'd be a little bit of understanding right (laughs) yeah and then uh now we get back to this uh intervention uh of sorts but we're in the other room and that's where george michael and maybe are and she says, like, she can't believe that they're still fighting. And that's when he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to kiss again. So they, you know, to teach him another lesson. And, like, it's so uncomfortable. And she's like, What's, what What will that do? He's like, or we'll do it to, like, scare them. And she's like, how would that scare them? And, like, and he's just like, now that they've kissed, I guess he's just, he wants more. And, and he's, he's trying to, her. yeah, and he's trying to find these ways where he could find excuses to keep kissing his cousin. Which <laughs> is, again, it's just such a weird storyline to inject into, like, your pilot episode of a tv show so there's gonna be this incestual cousin relationship one-sided well she kissed him first kept kissing him uh kissing him until the cops came so yeah but george michael wants it now he didn't want it at first that's true and then one day he just he walked into the living room and she was stuck under the dryer <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah. if she was stuck under her bed it may have yeah. happened better. you had your opportunities earlier <laughs> enough I think oh well, Ferg, I think you, you Ferg, you cut him in to say it a little before the announcement, so I think it's it was maybe just a hair too soon for he would have organically said it if he just let it happen. Yeah, it was gonna come out. I wanted to get him out of his system before this happened. And then uh yeah, but like that whole exchange was so awkward. I know that's like Michael Sarah's like shtick, and especially for this character, he's supposed to play it awkward, but it was uncomfortably awkward watching the two of them talk while he's trying to convince his female cousin to keep kissing him he is the king of awkward yeah and then we get back to like the adult room i guess where um he tells everyone that he accepted a job in arizona and he's going to be leaving and they try to talk him out of it but he's pretty set in his ways and he's like yeah i'll see you guys when the first parent dies now has anybody here ever been to arizona because this is where um uh, Lucille says she'd rather be dead in California than alive in Arizona. <laughs> that was yeah. a pretty amazing <laughs> jab, but I've never been to Arizona. Before, I've never been. It seems nice. Neither have I. It's um, I've never been either. But I imagine, as as far as the show goes, a lot of places are better when you have a bunch of money. So you you know, like Southern California would suck for us. You know, what I mean, we're not rich. You know what I mean? It's still we're just gonna still have the same shitty yeah. apartments or houses. And, and honestly, yeah. I, I think I think it could have been anywhere. She would have shit on it on it just uh, right. Yeah, she's just spiting Michael, yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess when you look at it, the life that they live, they wouldn't be able to replicate there. So that's probably where that issue would be for her. As Michael's about to walk off, Lindsay says, well, you should at least say bye to dad before you take off. 
obviously that got into his head and he figured she was right. So now you cut to the jail where Michael's talking to his father, basically saying like, why didn't you put me in charge? Like I did everything for this company. And George tells him like, if I put you in charge, you're going to be wearing one of these jumpsuits too. And he's like, the SEC has been after me for years. And he's like, I didn't want you to be an accomplice. And uh, that was actually like sound logic, like in a, in a family of really wacky people at this point, at least in a minute, it kind of changes, but his brain is working at a very like, logical pace here until he leans in and he goes plus you can't arrest a husband and a wife for the same crime and he gives them a wink he's like dad i don't think that's true and he's like really i get the worst fucking attorneys (laughs) he just puts his hands on his face like this big master plan it's not in this episode but his attorney is henry winkler by the way Oh, yep. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they laid the groundwork for so much stuff here, including his terrible, terrible attorney. It's kind of funny to get on. With the Ron Howard and Henry. Yeah, to get, to get the yeah. two of them together, yeah. And they, and then later on, you also get Chachi comes in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Blah, right. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. From there, we get Lindsay's. She's taking a cab to the model home and essentially to, I think, look for valuable shit to steal, right? That was like essentially what she was there to do. Yeah. But when she gets there, she goes up to the attic and she sees George Michael standing there. So she pretends that she's just there to say goodbye to him. And he tells her that he's just like, he's going to miss them so much. And it was nice having them around. And ever since his mom died, it's been really lonely. And he wishes that they could all just stay there. And that was like a, like a legit, like really like sad, like note that it took me out of the episode for a second. It like it gets to her cold heart too. Yeah. You can see it on her face. It was like. It just like was so much more serious than anything else that's been said at this point. It was like a very realness to it. Now, is it real or does he just want to make out with maybe more? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Waka. As he was saying that, his dad happened to be like entering that area too. So he hears it. But then he kind of cuts him. He's like, oh, can you just come help with the van? And right as, you know, he says that. George Michael gives his aunt like this really big hug. And like at first you were right. Like I think he got to her at first, but then during the hug, she couldn't quite emotionally connect there. She seemed like very like, I don't know what to do right now. Which is crazy. She has a child the same age and she just has no right. connection to being a parent or a family member at all. I was going to say that in a couple of minutes too, it also cuts back that she can't use emotions. Yes. Right. That's that right. Where, actually where we're at now. Cause now, um, her and Michael are downstairs kind of like sitting in like, I don't know, like the early entrance way of the house. Like there's a couple like little steps that bring them into the main area and they're just like sitting on the floor together talking. And you know, he's like, you know, where have you been? How come you never called? And she tells him, look, you know, look at my life. Tobias is out of work. We're in debt. It's and then she tries to cry and she just makes this very weird like face like she's trying to force going to the bathroom. Yeah. And then she's like, open your mouth. (laughs) And uh, she tells him that the JDL is on her ass right now, which is the Jewish Defense League, which goes back to the hoop stuff from earlier. Also, for the open your mouth thing was Norseman. It was not uh, cousin fucking. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. He gave me a dirty look. Going back to last week's episode, Norseman, if you guys want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't already. So they start talking about how she thinks that he's disappointed in her. And he's like, I'm not disappointed in you. And she's like, yes, you are. He's like, all right, so I'm disappointed in you. He's like, but I'm disappointing and dad's disappointing. So they kind of come to the agreement that they're just a disappointing yeah, family. The whole family is. He's like, so maybe we should be in each other's lives. And that's when we get the second fake crying attempt from her, <laughs> which was very funny. I thought she did a really good job with that. I used yeah. to be able to do this. <laughs> yes. And that cuts to like the whole family together later on playing Monopoly. Job's like, dad was always the banker. So the, there was no beating him. 
George Michael's like, he should have been stocking up on all those get out of jail free cards. Genuine laugh out of that line. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, and they actually did a, I thought they did a really good job of like replicating like real like camaraderie and like togetherness. Like it didn't feel television-y at that moment. Yeah. It didn't feel forced. It felt like they were a family. And like Job's like, good one, George Michael, and gives him the high five. And then Uncle Buster goes and gives him one of those awkward back rub things, <laughs> like shoulder rubs. <laughs> This is when Michael informs uh, George Michael that, you know, everyone's going to be staying. His aunt, uncle, and cousin are going to be living with them. Not Job. Specifically mentions not Job. <laughs> he tells him it's going to be a little crowd of those. So um, you're going to end up having to share a room at your cousin. And they just cut to George Michael and he's like a ghost. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's essentially the end of the episode, except for when we get the on next week's Arrested Development. And they show a few clips. I mean, because we technically would not know better watching just the pilot episode, but we can go ahead and kind of break that and tell them what the bit is. So if you want to yeah, talk about so it. Basically the, the bit, which is, I think is always the funniest joke of the episode is they do the classic on the next episode thing. They do a couple of crazy wild things and those never are on the next episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it ends up being something you like look forward to. You think about it halfway through. You're like, Oh, I wonder where they're going to go with this. And this one is a great one to end the first episode i think i remember it took me way too long to realize that too because it's like on the next episode and then by the time you get to the next the next episode you kind of forget that they had told you that that's what was going to happen yeah and then after a few you're like wait a minute these are not happening it's something much more noticeable in the streaming age right oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Sure. yeah oh yeah when you're watching it week to week yeah you most likely it would probably take you probably a few weeks before you caught on to it and then yeah so like for the clips for the following week they show um george michael on his bed kind of like nervous while his cousin's in the shower singing oops i did it again and i did notice that like she left the door open to the bathroom while she was showering too so i'm not that yeah. innocent yeah it's not that she's singing the song <laughs> it's that she's singing that line of the song <laughs> yep and then we got uh, one of Job who's trying to apply for that job in Phoenix that Michael didn't take. <laughs> and he's got like the little, he's got a little smoke burst and the bird like coming from, he's, he's trying to do all his magic tricks to somehow <laughs> convince this company to give him a real estate development job. I like that. And they're like, you don't even have references. And he's like, is this reference enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smoke and the birds. Come. And uh, I think the final one, the one that I really liked was um, you got Michael visiting his dad in jail again. And now his dad's like, I'm having the time of my life. Like, he doesn't want to get out of there at all. And he's wearing a do rag now. Yeah. And he like gives daps <laughs> to somebody who's walking by. Is it T-Bone, I want to say? I think it was T-Bone. I, I thought it was. T-Bone, yeah. Which is like such a generic prison guy name. Like, yeah. But that's the actual close. I guess we have the the episodic close, like where it ends story-wise. But then because this is like the little thing at the end of every episode, this is the real end. That's the final thing that you see. And uh, that's it. That's the entirety of the episode. So uh, as far as Arrested Development goes, guys, anything um, you want to talk about? I just wanted to see, did anybody watch this episodically when it was new? I found out about it. I think it was on Fox on Fridays, which is like I such did, a dead yeah. zone of where to put a TV show. I don't think I. Did I found out it. about Fox, it. Fox pulls the plugs on shows really fast, and this was one of them. I rem- yeah. I remember being really excited for this show, seeing the the uh, commercials for it. I distinctly remember the scene in the commercial of George Michael sitting on his lap because he's teaching him to drive, and they them getting pulled over. Oh, right. <laughs> and I yeah, thought yeah. that was in this episode, but it wasn't. I was a little late to the party with this show. Not super, super late, but I want to say it was like maybe a hair after the three seasons aired originally is like when I got into it. Yeah, I'm with you, Jay. 
I remember I being told about it. it, but never watching it. I think Same. at that age too, Jason was what two thousand and what year? The first three seasons would have been three to oh six. So we were like just uh, we were like that was our junior year five, of high school, sorry. right? So again, terrible time for people that age to want to watch a TV show. Yeah, when we're night. when we're yeah, always gonna be out we're like something. seventeen years old. Like we're we're spending our Friday nights out. <laughs> Right, yeah, like I'd much. I I'm sure I missed a lot of things on Friday nights back then. That and it's and it's funny, but like at that point, like with the exception of like I'm gonna say Ferg, you had a TiVo, but like the DVR in every house was not a thing yet. So like you know, if I'm not watching it and I'm not recording it on my VCR, like I'm not gonna see it. So and on demand wasn't a thing. Not really. Like TiVo was just kind of starting, and like on demand content, maybe I'm not a hundred percent. It was yeah. still pretty rudimentary. I don't think they yeah. were doing week to week shows. It was the start of digital cable, but they didn't have the on demand we have right now. Like today, right. you could probably catch a few music videos at that point. Yep, I remember we used to like just sit at your house and find yeah. the different music stations. We would just take turns. All- yeah, we'd all sit in my living room and just pass the remote around and just taking turns watching random music videos on <laughs> on music choice on demand. Smoking too many cigarettes and yes. so many cigarettes just too many cigarettes i was literally talking to someone about it today at work i was like at that time in my life everyone i know smoked like chimneys we were just chain smoke like we had nothing better to do than sit in a living room and just chain smoke all day they're beautiful fresh teenage lungs <laughs> r.i.p <laughs> like and even if you like were a smoker like even for all of us who were smoking it was still too much to be around it yeah was like it was gross for a smoker yeah like it yeah. was nasty but yeah, I mean, that's um, that's it. I mean, we only really focus on the pilot, so I don't want to get too into the future run of the show. But, you know, like we said, originally three seasons, and then it went away for quite a while before it was picked up by Netflix. And this was like, was this the first time Netflix had original content was when they brought on the season four of Arrested Development? It's like the first I, I can remember. I think so, but it's definitely it's not the first, but it's close, one of the yeah. first. I was going to say, I know it was really early on. It was the biggest for sure, but I don't think it was their first. Because I remember when they announced it, I was like, wait, Netflix is putting it out themselves like new episodes like that's weird. And now, obviously, that's very commonplace. It's going to drive me crazy, but they saved something big before this. And I can't think of what it was. So I'm looking at a list right now and there's like a bunch of shows on here that I personally haven't seen. Full House with Fuller House, which I don't, I wouldn't consider the same thing. Really, oh, Fuller House is anyway. yeah, it's even it got a later. different, it's a different name. Uh, yeah. They did Gilmore Girls and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, actually. Yeah, but those were all after Arrested Development came out. I know, so I'm trying to find one that was before, like, like the chronological list. Development, yeah. and it doesn't. Our uh, oh, Trailer Park Boys was before. Uh, no, okay. but it wasn't picked up before, so never mind. Yeah, no, there's nothing really that pops. Yeah, I don't remember up, anything so bigger than this. Yeah. I I also want to point out that when they picked it back up and did it on Netflix, they changed the format of the show a lot. It was all based around one big event. And yeah, it was. You watched it backwards as, as like a whole. That was the full season. Oh, yeah, they right. changed it. Yeah, I forgot they did that. Yeah, it was everybody. Had Wasn't it like every episode was like through the perspective of a different character? Yep. Every yep. episode was a different yeah. character, but they showed the one event at the at the in the first episode. It's a bold approach when you are assuming that you're going to get some new viewership watching this for the first time. I want to say though, when they did those remix episodes, they changed that around and made them seem more like regular episodes. A little. I'll have to. I'm going to go back and try to watch those at some point now. Yeah, because I plan on rewatching the whole show now that we did this, so I'm sure I'll see it. It was really hard to not watch the second episode right when it ended. And a show like this that you've seen so many times is such a good, like, bed. This is a great bedtime show. Right? Yeah, it's going to be my new bedtime on. show, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And if you fall asleep the next day, you just go back to somewhere close to where right, you right. were because it's not like you're missing anything. Mm-hmm. It's always easier to do that with like comedy style shows, like than they if do you're it watching Community currently. Yeah, if you're watching something too serious where you have to actually pay attention to details, it never really works out. But yeah, comedies are because you're just getting quick laughs no matter what. And if you're already familiar with the content, it's really easy to just place yourself wherever. But it sure sucks when it's something you haven't seen before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the last like month and a half i've only watched that world war ii in color in hd in bed every night that shit was been good. having crazy dreams <laughs> so going to sleep to arrested development for a month <laughs> is gonna be so much better yeah and then and then to uh sometimes to help him go to bed joe has a glass of tea and then he puts his headphones on and just listens to shots of gunfire going through. <laughs> <laughs> listens to the Jonestown tapes. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually tried to listen to that going to sleep before, and it's very, very disturbing. All right, so I guess from this point, there's nothing left to do but get into the green light or cancel, so I'm going to go in the order I see you guys in. Gordo, I'm starting with you. Green light. I don't know how you cancel this show. It's It's funny. It's like one of the greatest sitcoms of that time period and like we said it what kind of propelled netflix to be the juggernaut that they are today if i i firmly believe that if they didn't pick up arrested development with all of that fan base behind it and all that demand for a new season they wouldn't be where they are and that says something about this show the show is hysterical doesn't matter where you watch it what what episode it's all funny green light for me job did you call me Job? Yes. Okay. I was like, because halfway, a few times the episode, you would say Job, and I, for a second, was like, oh, should he ask me a question? <laughs> yeah, it's a green light for me. I mean, this reminds me of a time and place that is just like, uh, it's a happy spot, right? And the show is, I mean, this pilot is just quotable. It's nonstop jokes. It keeps going. The timing is weird. Ron Howard is just a comforting voice to hear. And it, there's something, I mean, like, you know, he makes all these serious movies or different types of things that aren't obviously things like Happy Days. But hearing him say, like, almost dirtier things is just like a weird, enjoyable moment. And to Gordo's point, you can put it on anywhere and it's always funny. So green light to me. Ferg. Green light. Great cast. Hilarious. I, I laugh from start to finish. I don't have a big speech for this one. I just love this show. Green light. Nick. Yeah, like Ferg said, like what a what a cast of people to get in there. What I like about this show the most, though, I think, is there's there's so much going on, and plenty of shows have a lot going on, but they've did a, they've done a real good job of like controlling the chaos and keeping you focused on it still, which is tough to do because there's so many characters, there's so many offshoots as far as stories go, but you're engaged in all of it, and it's all funny. This is a a big green light, like everybody else. It's a no brainer. It's a lot of fun, and. Uh, I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to differentiate from the rest of you guys. I'm going to green light it as well. Gordo, I think you made a really good point with some of that Netflix stuff. I think it was one of those things where when they announced that they were going to be putting out a season four that was exclusive to Netflix at that time, that was huge, huge news that they brought back such like a cult favorite show like that. I believe Orange is the New Black and House of Cards were on the show before this was picked up. Oh, okay. I might be wrong. Yeah, we'd, no. we'd have to double check. In general, I just think the show has a really good feel for what it is right away. Like for a pilot episode, it's very polished and like together. The tone of the show was always kind of what it was here. A lot of times you watch a show where the pilot episodes kind of doesn't have the same vibe that it has like later on as the show kind of finds its voice. Like we did, we talked about Parks and Rec earlier. That show is a little bit different when it starts to when it really finds its rhythm. But Arrested Development was kind of what it was from day one. And um, for that reason, I'm definitely going to give it the green light. So, guys, that's five out of five. Congratulations to Arrested Development. That is a perfect score from us. So, congrats. You go on to live for episode two. But that's it. That's all the time we have this week. 
I'm doing this every week, guys. I'm pleading with you guys. If you're listening, we appreciate it so much. We love seeing our fan base grow and seeing more downloads every week. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us, but I can't stress enough how much we need you to follow us on our social medias. You can find the links to all those at s1e1pod.com, s1e1pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You'll find us all, uh, s1e1pod. Please do that. It means a lot. Spread the word. Let people know about us. Engage with us on our social medias. We love hearing input. We want to know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Like we're willing to adapt with you. So just uh, reach out and let us know. But yeah, again, s1e1pod.com. But that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you guys. Good night. Fuck you, trader. Is this enough?